We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, if you've seen R.J. Barrett's pink suit that he wore to the draft or the formal wear he's been wearing in the tunnel walks and other events, those are all Indochino suits and blazers. Indochino is really cool. You, you go online and you give your measurements. And they're like 17 measurements. I was not expecting to fill out that much. But they measure you in all these different places to make sure that it's tailored just right for you. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Plus, you get to personalize all of the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings RJ helped pick out and design. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $30 off of your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, and Roman. Got a fun episode for you guys today. It's a little different than what we normally do. 
We're going to hear some stories. I'm really excited about this one because I'm recording it with two of my best friends in the whole world. Of course, Darius, but also our guest today. He is one of the hosts of the official Lakers podcast with Mike Trudell. He travels with the Lakers, has been part of the NBA for a very long time. It's the one and only Aaron Larsoul. How you doing, man? Incredibly excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So as I said before, Aaron travels with the team. We've got some alcoholic beverages here because I'm trying to get him to talk. We'll see if that works with me being so forthright about it. But yeah, so Aaron travels with the team and he's got some stories to tell, not just from this year, but from last year. He's also been around the NBA for a very long time. So before we get started with the stories about the Lakers, Aaron, why don't you tell the listeners a little more about your background? Uh, this is this is true. Um, I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers, did a little bit of scouting and various things in basketball operations, did some radio, TV work, stats work for them, but um, mostly scouting and kind of just general basketball operation stuff. And then I freelanced a little bit with the Warriors uh, here and there other than that. So what's the difference, you know, working a bit with the Warriors and working in a larger capacity with the Blazers versus the vibe that comes with traveling with the Lakers? Well, this year especially, and I know we'll get into it, but this year specifically, it is very different. um, And that has a lot to do with the people that are involved. Um, But it was... In the the Portland days, it was a lot more kind of solitude and uh, stats work and scouting. I did a lot of self-scouting, a lot of stuff with LaMarcus Aldridge specifically. Uh, But it is is very different, and I know we'll get into this. It's very different this year with the Lakers, even from last year. So uh, this is the most fun we have had, uh, the most fun I've had being around a team in my not-so-illustrious NBA career. Is that just because of the stars involved, or is that because of the winning or the vibe around the team in general? Like, I'm sure all of those factors play a part in this, but I'd be interested, you you know, the Blazers aren't necessarily the same brand as the Lakers, but their fans are super passionate. You know, they're also a successful organization. Uh, At the time that you were there, they were a good team. So I'm wondering if that's just because everything is amplified with the Lakers, or is it more than that? I think it's multiple things. Everything is amplified with the Lakers, even compared to the Blazers, who are really well run. My time with the Blazers, there was a little bit of the Jill Blazers, but it was a lot of the the Brandon Roy and Greg Oden and LaMarcus and Wes Matthews and Prisbilla and even Steve Blake, uh, who Lakers fans know really well. Uh, so the, te- the team was really good. Not as good as this Lakers team. Uh, but the team was really good. I, I think a lot of it, though, even in comparing this year to last year, in any environment you're in, any work environment, people out there, LFR listeners that, you know, whatever, you work in an office, a lot of how you feel about where you work is connected to the people that you work with. And there is such a difference even this year from last year with the Lakers team, the vibe around the team, the winning. Um, last year, it was it, it, there was definitely everything is amplified, right? We would we'd get to a hotel, to Charlotte, and on a Wednesday at two o'clock in the morning, and there's 200 people out there waiting to see the Lakers arrive. So that is part of it. But even compared this year to last year, yes, the winning, but just the people around makes this an incredible experience. What's the difference in that vibe this year versus what you experienced last year? I mean, winning does help, but look, I I really liked a lot of the young guys that are not here anymore. Um, Good people, but a lot of the Lakers now, Jared Dudley and Danny Green and even Dwight Howard, a lot of the new guys, they're guys that have been around the league. They know what it is. 
the routine is a little bit different. And they're just really fun guys to be around. And, and Coach Vogel is, is a huge part of that also. It's interesting that you bring up Vogel and versus Walton. Walton sort of wanted to bring some of that Warriors culture along with him to the Lakers, right? Walton was in that unique position of sort of like he knew what it meant to be a Laker, but had just experienced a bunch of success with the Warriors and, and sort of wanted to bring that, hey, like, let's have fun at work. Has Vogel sort of replicated that at all in his own way? And what are some of the differences in terms of personality and vibe around the team that you think that you could directly attribute to Vogel versus like what it was like under Walton? So I, I really like Luke. Personally, he was a lot of fun to be around. He was always good to all of us ar around the team. But it is hard to implement that warrior system, that fun around the team when you don't have Steph Curry and Draymond Green sure. and, and Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, right? Like, you got to have the guys. You got to have the guys. Right? And so it, it makes it easy. And also, uh, Steph, I think, was very specifically responsible for that culture, much like Tim Duncan was responsible for the for the Spurs culture. But with the winning comes some cachet, right? You're allowed it gives you it gives you license to have a lot more fun. And look, I again I, I like Luke a lot, but Coach Vogel in my time dealing with him is he's a different dude. He's a guy that after wins, if you see him in the hotel, we in Dallas, big win in Dallas, after that win. You know, I ran into him in the hotel lobby, and he doesn't really know me. He's getting to know me, but he is interested in getting to know me and said, you know what, Aaron, come on. We're, we're going over here. We're going to have a couple drinks. I got it. It's on me. I want to celebrate with some of the assistant coaches, whatever you guys want. I was hanging out with some of the TV guys, and, and Coach Vogel said, come along. You're on scholarship. Come along. Come hang out and, and have a couple drinks with us. So, And it, it, that's not something that Luke wouldn't do. But this early in the year, as Coach Vogel is making a real effort to get to know everyone and how everybody fits into this puzzle, it's been a really different and very fun experience. Have you ever been around a team that just doesn't get along? I have been around teams that do not get along as well <laughs> as this Lakers team gets along. How about that? So, so Including last year's Lakers team. Sure. And, and not to say anything bad about last year's Lakers team, but this team specifically enjoys being around each other more than any team I've ever been around. That's amazing, man, because you've been doing this for a while. I have been, I've been doing this a good little while. Yeah, man. So in that vein, what does that mean in a practical sense? Like, it's great that they get along, but how does that show up in ways that people like me and, and Darius and the listeners who are not around the team all the time, how can we see that? How does that show up on the court? I, I think a lot of different people have different opinions of how important chemistry is, right? Like, you got to have the guys. If you're good, it doesn't necessarily matter that the guys are going out to dinner on the road and hanging out together. But I don't think it's a bad thing. And these guys do genuinely like each other from what I've seen. Look, it's it's different on the road now than it used to be 10 years ago. Um, guys stay in their rooms more often than I am accustomed to. Um Look, I, guys aren't really doing much. Guys aren't getting in trouble. Do you think that's because of uh, Tinder? <laughs> you know what? I think it's. I think. I think what it is actually is that everyone in this world now has a camera in their pocket, and everyone has a video camera in their pocket. And look, guys aren't. At least from what I've seen from Laker guys, guys aren't going out getting in trouble, doing things they shouldn't be doing. But 
I think there's just that hesitancy to have your entire life broadcast now that everybody has access to a camera or video camera. So most of the guys stay home. The guys do go out for dinner together a lot, um, but most of the guys stay stay in the rooms and kind of just chill. A lot of guys get Postmates or whatever, get food delivered and, and hang out. But I think it Look, you don't need chemistry to be good. If you have the guys, you can play well, even if the guys don't love each other, don't like each other so much um, in any sport. But it certainly helps when the guys do like each other, and these guys absolutely like each other. And in my opinion, chemistry does matter. And if you have an understanding of the other guys, their lives, what they're going through, if you like each other, I think it can only lead to good things, specifically through through communication on the court. You have some kind of basis of understanding about the other guys, and that leads to better communication. And communication on the basketball floor matters, especially defensively especially. I think it's one of the reasons, we can get into some other reasons, but I think it's one of the reasons why this team is so good on defense is because they trust each other and they communicate well. I want to get back to something you mentioned earlier about sort of the differences between how this year's team gets along versus last year's team Do you think that could be at all attributed to the fact that it would have been much easier for last year's team to maybe break out into clicks a little bit, like over here is the young guys, over here is more of the veteran group, and how that might have played a part in with this year being sort of a difference, right, with a much more veteran-laden roster and two or three young guys who are sort of coming up in the league, but are also looked at as contributors as well. So do you think that that played a part in that? I think that's at probably 90 or 95% of it. Teams take their cues, their emotional cues from their leader. And LeBron is, is the leader. Compared to last year's team, well, look, I really like Lonzo, good dude. And B.I. is a good dude. And Josh and, and even, even Mo and Isaac Bonga. But those guys are 20 years old trying to find their way in the league. And LeBron did a good job of trying to connect with those guys. A lot of the time through music, they, they listen to the same music. But as far as age-wise, those guys are closer in age to LeBron's son than they are to him. And so I think that matters. Having guys that have been through the wars, Danny Green has won titles. Um, guys that have been around, I, I think it's much easier to connect with for LeBron to connect with some of those older guys. I think that has, I think that has a lot to do yeah, with it. Yeah, some of that just like shared experience, right? And, and same sort, exactly. sort of, it, to me, it doesn't even necessarily come down to like, it's not pejorative or disparaging against young guys who haven't necessarily just lived as much life or been around the block as many times and, and the experiences you gain from that and how you then apply that to like real world real world relationships right like i think that we've all dealt with that in in our own lives to a certain extent yeah i 100% yeah, and it, but and I think the other thing you mentioned that there are a few young guys now that are still trying to make their way into the NBA, but those guys, I mean, Kuz is more established, but those guys, Kuz or Alex Caruso, for example, both of those guys now have some history with LeBron. So it's not his first year with the new guys like it was last year. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to discuss some of the on-court insights that Aaron has from seeing the team up close. 
Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it helps me keep my beard nice and neat while keeping it long. They send the razors right to my doorstep so it's really convenient. Has a weighted ergonomic handle for firm grip. Listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire. You get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to start shaving better today. So Aaron, are you at liberty to share the Dallas story that you told me about what happened at the end of that game? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that one's not bad at all. It makes everybody <laughs> yeah, look try, good. Trying Absolutely. to help you out here, you know? I, I appreciate it. that layup so you could throw it down. It was a late possession, late fourth quarter possession. It was a sideline out of bounds play for, for Dallas. And it was coming out of a timeout. A TV, I don't know who called it. I don't remember. Maybe it was just a TV timeout. Close game, right? Yeah, yeah. This is back after the Lakers have, have fought back. And, and it's a close game. It's a one or two possession game at this point. And Anthony Davis, I think, had a good idea of what Dallas was going to try to run. Luka had been a problem all day. And, and uh, Porzingis, who hasn't played that well this year, had played well earlier in that game. And they were really giving the Lakers problems with the Porzingis and, and Luca pick and roll. Avery Bradley has done a pretty good job defending primary ball handlers, but Luca had a really good game. So AD comes over to Coach Vogel late in the game, at, back when they're on the floor, after the timeout has ended, back when on the floor, and he says, Coach, are we going to switch everything one through five? Uh, which most teams late in games don't do very often because they don't want small guys getting stuck on big guys or big guys getting stuck on small guys. They'll usually, most teams will usually switch similar size pick and rolls. And Coach Vogel says, I don't know, AD, like, is that what you want to do? And AD says, Coach, we got to switch one through five. And Vogel says, okay, but if you're going to do that, if we're going to do that, then LeBron has to guard Luka. If you're going to guard Porzingis, and LeBron has to switch on to Luca because we know a Luca Porzingis pick and roll is coming, and I don't want one of our smaller guys getting stuck on Porzingis. So they kind of so AD calls LeBron over and says, "Look, we're switching one through five. We're going to switch everything. This is what's coming." I talked to coach. This is what's coming. So you're taking Luca this possession because when they run Luca Porzingis pick and roll, you're going to be switched on to Porzingis and I'm going to be switched on to be Luca. And, and by the way, side note, I, are we just kind of discovering that Anthony Davis may be the, the, best, the Lakers wing best wing defender? Yeah, man. Let's, let's get uh, into that. that. Are it's we getting to that Kawhi point? Kawhi and so, Siakam and yeah, Siakam. He, yeah. Yeah. So I, I was very impressed with, the fact that the flexibility of Coach Vogel on the floor and the the collective intelligence of everybody, because a lot of times coaches will have their plan and they'll just go with it and that gets transferred to the players and it's not very collaborative. But this team seems very collaborative in on-court stuff because Vogel trusts the collective brain. And I think, I think that's had a lot to do with why the Lakers have been much better in the second half of games, uh, just because the collective basketball intelligence is trusted by everyone. I think the part, so all of that I totally agree with and was just nodded in my head. The part, though, that stands out to me is that it's sort of the leadership of Davis there, 
right? And, and him sort of being the person who is not only bringing an idea to Vogel, right? And, and this is how I think that it should go and, the, and that communication, but then pivoting around and then communicating that idea directly to LeBron and maybe putting LeBron in a position where that's not necessarily an ideal matchup for LeBron, like in that instance, right? Like I don't want to be down on LeBron. He's, he's been great defensively this year, but he's also done a great job of sort of picking his spot defensively as well. One of the things I think I wanted to follow up then about that was more, what can you sort of share with us about the dynamic between LeBron and AD and how that communication has gone and how much back and forth there is and give and take. I know coming into the year, AD has been very deferential to LeBron, especially after he came via the trade about, you know, I'm, I'm sort of here to learn from him. Well, also standing up for himself, like thinking I'm one of the best players in the league too, but I can get something of value from these exchanges with him. So what's that like, the things that that you have seen up close? So full credit to LeBron because he very specifically, LeBron thinks he's the best player in the world. And I happen to agree with him talking about LeBron himself. Uh, But he even so, even coming into the year at media day and talking to everyone, even subsequently to that, has said he is going to defer to Anthony Davis. He respects Anthony Davis's talent and is going to defer some to Anthony Davis. So I think he has made that transition for Anthony Davis very easy. And I see on the road and even at home games, but specifically on the road, I see LeBron hanging out with and spending more time with Anthony Davis just one-on-one than anyone I've seen him with since LeBron has been here. So that relationship is a real thing. Aaron, who is the brain trust of this team? I don't mean Rob and Jeannie and the front office people, but in terms of the on-court play, you mentioned LeBron and AD and Vogel, and those are the three that you would expect. But who collectively are working in that collaborative approach to figure things out? So I think it's those three guys specifically. Also, Rajon Rondo. You're going to get a little bit from Jared Dudley. A little bit from Danny Green. He talks with with coach with the coaching staff a lot. But then also Jason Kidd has been a big part of that. What what's he been like so far? Obviously, he comes with that narrative of he's going to try right. to take over the team and all of that. But what's it actually been like outside of our preconceived notions? So all of those thoughts about the thoughts that you mentioned. <laughs> I'm going to leave it to you. Trying to, to get you in that trouble, you man. State run radio, baby. Right. The thoughts that you mentioned. I, in all honesty, I haven't seen any of that. All of it has been very positive. Uh, he's one of the smartest guys in the in the history of the NBA, and everything that I have seen is everybody pulling in the same direction, and him being very supportive and coming up to Vogel with ideas at timeouts. And then everybody, all the people, the players and the coaching staff that, that we've been talking about kind of coming together and formulating the plan and then going forward. And it seems to me, I'm not in the locker room at halftime, but it seems to me that the collective basketball IQ of all of these guys has been really, I keep talking about it, but is, is what has led to the Lakers success in the second half. It's like, it's like a fighter who uses the first few rounds to figure out the plan of the opposition or... The Warriors used to destroy people in the third quarters previously, or the Patriots in the Super Bowl often struggle at the beginning of games, and they use that time to figure out what the other team is trying to do, and then they use that collective football or basketball IQ and dominate in the second half because they have better players, 
and they use the first half to figure out what are we, what are you trying to do here? So now we can deploy our guys in a way that you're not going to be able to readjust to because we're better than you are. So we have talked a lot about sort of AD and, and well and LeBron. I'm very much interested in those side role player guys that you had just mentioned as having some sort of input with the team and maybe some leadership chops and respect inside the locker room. Talk to me some about Danny Green and Jared Dudley. Those guys, have, they are respected vets. Everything you've heard about them throughout their careers is sort of that they have been leaders within the locker room, especially if not so much vocally out on the floor, right, as role player guys. Tell me some about some interactions that you've seen between those guys and maybe the top line players and how that's received, how it's given, everything around that. So I think it's important to recognize that the guys that are here, they're not here. It's not it's not random that they're here. Mm. Right. They they are here because they are respected vets. Right. They're they are around because look, in building this roster, right, LeBron and Anthony Davis had a hand in helping to put this roster together with Rob Palenko, who I think has done a really good job. And they are here and with Rondo last year, but they're here because they know what they're doing and because LeBron trusts them, the championships that that Danny Green has won, that experience. And as you said, Jared Dudley is just known around the league as one of those vets that knows what he's doing. He's a great locker room guy. So I think it's important to note that the fact that those guys are here, it's not random choices that the team made. They're here for that specific thing. And because they can help guide the younger guys, they can help uh, Kuz turn into a pro. I mean, Kuz is a pro and Kuz is probably the hardest worker on the team. But they're those guys that can help show him how to be a pro, what it takes to win championships. So I don't think it's random that those guys get a voice in the room, that those guys are trusted to make basketball decisions. And I, we talked last year a lot about how Rajon Rondo was kind of a coach off the floor. And then even when he's been hurt and was hurt last year, he's a guy that Luke Walton trusted and LeBron trusted and now Coach Vogel trusts and LeBron trusts and AD trusts to say, what are you seeing, right? He also won a championship. What are you seeing? What do you want to do? And look, I, I know Laker fans have some, some mixed thoughts about Rajon Rondo on the court, but you take all of that aside, nobody's going to say he doesn't know the game. So I've been really impressed with everyone's willingness to make this a collaborative effort. And again, I keep talking about this, but to use the collective basketball brain of everyone. You've got three of the smartest players in NBA history on this team with LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, and also Jason right? Kidd. If you were making a yeah. top 10 or top 20 list of the highest basketball IQ guys of all time, they're probably all on it. So then you add to that supplemental guys like Dudley, Danny Green, even someone like Lionel Hollins, who's been around the NBA forever. And that brings me to Vogel. Vogel is the first person I've been around in a long time who makes me feel like they know way, 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 way more about basketball than I do. And that's good. You want that out of an NBA head coach. He should know, know way more that. than I do. No, this is it right here. The more I learn about the NBA, and you know this very well, and this is something Darius understands too is there are different wisdoms mm -hmm. to basketball. There are different ways of looking at the game in which you can get value out of it and actually learn something. Vogel seems to understand that. So my question is, what has he done to earn the respect of the other guys within this brain trust? I mean, I, I think we know the answer to that because 
of LeBron. And again, like LeBron is the leader of the team. Vogel or not, right? It's it's LeBron. I mean, LeBron. Look, I mean, yeah, it's the NBA is a is a players' league. College, you know, the coaches kind of run things, but the NBA is is a players' league, even more so than the coaches. And I think it goes back to a lot of those battles that those Indiana teams that Coach Vogel coach those teams and those battles that that in the Pacers with the Hibbert and and Paul George had with LeBron in the playoffs. And I think that was one of the things that was he gained LeBron's respect from those matchups. And so that made it a little easier for once he came in for LeBron to trust him. And LeBron, like maybe we wish it was different, but LeBron is that good that you need, a coach needs to earn LeBron's trust. And once you do, he will listen and he will follow as he is doing here as evidenced by the story, you know, the, the earlier story. So I think one of the other things that, that has caused LeBron to have full trust in coach Vogel is the flexibility that he's, that coach is showing, you know, cause this is not this team, this Lakers team is different from Vogel's teams in Orlando. And it's very different from those teams, like schematically very different from those teams in Indiana. It is, it is a different league, but coaches, a lot of time, in my opinion, make the mistake of this worked, so I'm going to stick with it, right? And so I think Coach Vogel has done a good job of being kind of ahead of the curve in adjusting. And look, the Lakers don't play defense like those Indiana teams play defense. Even though those Indiana teams were incredible defensively, uh, they just don't play it that way. You know, they don't funnel everything into the big guys and just have the big guys stand vertically like Roy Hibbert used to do. So I think that flexibility has gained some of LeBron's trust as well. And Coach Vogel understands, like, those teams, those Indiana teams were incredibly slow. This Lakers team is a little slower pace than we've seen in the past, but it's not at the bottom of the leagues like those Indiana teams wanted to be specifically so that they could beat you 90-87. Um, so I think the flexibility schematically that Vogel is showing is has also gained some of LeBron's trust. This is a name that has not come up yet well, in the pod, but he is someone who definitely came to the Lakers with a reputation. He was definitely viewed as someone who was sort of on his last legs as an NBA player and someone who was known as disruptive. Me? In locker rooms. <laughs> no, I was talking about Pete, but um, let's talk Dwight Howard for a second, because I think that of everything that's gone right with the Lakers this year, Anthony Davis is playing fantastic. LeBron's playing, playing fantastic. There may not be sort of this more redemptive story or, or sort, sort of this movie quality than exists with Dwight Howard right now through the team's first 11 games. And like I said, he, he was brought in on a non-guaranteed minimum contract and the the terms of that deal reflected his status in the league at the time, right? And he's played fantastic basketball, and he seems to be fitting in, and things seem honky-dory, but all of this is, is sort of from an outsider's perspective, from an insider's perspective. Tell me some about what you're seeing in terms of Dwight's interactions with teammates and, and communication with the star players, with well, with the head coach, because right now it could still sort of be seen as like a honeymoon period, but he really does seem to get it right now. And I think that's encouraging, but I'd love to know more about this from a perspective like yours. So I don't want to say that I'm shocked, but I am honestly surprised. I thought that, look, and I, I said this when the Lakers signed him, that I thought he could still play. 
The question was because it, like he didn't he played nine games last year, but uh, uh, two years ago when he I think he played seventy something games and he averaged sixteen and a half and twelve and a half. So I think that my thought was that he could still play. The question for me was a like physically would it would his body hold up? Um, I've had two back surgeries and uh, I think it was Jamal McGlore told me in Portland there are two things that will take all the cool out of you. Having a daughter and back problems, <laughs> and he was not wrong. I don't. I don't have any kids, um, but it, back problems will take all the cool uh, well, out of Darius you. Darius can tell you about the other one. They will also take. They will also take your legs from you. Um, and so he has looked, uh, and and everything that everyone told me from the workout um, was that physically he looked really good. So. For me, I, I had two questions. One is, would his body hold up? And so far, it has. And he seems to me to be getting his legs under him more and more as we go on. Dwight is a guy that, look, his, his defensive IQ, he's won defense, multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. Um, so he knows what he's doing on defense. I just wasn't sure that his body would let him get in positions to use that defensive IQ. And it, so far it has. And he seems to be getting more and more healthy. The, the opener, he didn't look great. He looked like he knew what he was doing, right? He was fighting. He was in the right places, but his body didn't look. He, he, wasn't, he didn't have the bounce. And he, he seems like he's getting more and more healthy. So that was one question for me. The second question was, how would he be in his role? Because Coach Vogel talks about being a star or being a superstar in your role. And to be fair, that's not something that Dwight has been really willing to do uh, in some of his previous stops. I saw, I haven't looked recently, but he was getting this year, a couple weeks, a week or so ago, he was getting 5% of his offense from post touches. And that number had been in the 50s and 60%, 70% in his previous stops. So that speaks to me that he is embracing his role and understanding that, like, I don't need post touches because we have all these other options. And Hopefully he's understanding, and it seems to me like he's understanding. Post touches are not the most efficient way an NBA team can <laughs> well, score, and, and he's getting love, right? Like right. he's playing to the crowd, right. and he's being embraced right. by this fan base that freaking hated him. So it feels real to me. Um, look, it's still early, but it feels real to me. I used to talk uh, when I did radio. I used to talk about that winning was the best deodorant. Um, it's specifically in talking about Aaron Rodgers because those Packers teams were always terrible. They always had terrible people around him and it always smelled bad and then he would just make them win. Anyway, so, um, but with Dwight, like, it feels real to me. Obviously, some adversity is going to come with this team. It does all the time. It happens in every NBA team, every season. But it, from the inside, from what I've seen, it feels real to me. And you can see it, even fans can see it. If you go to a game at Staples, watch on TV on road game, or go to a game at Staples, the first dude off the bench in timeouts wanting to congratulate everybody and wanting to be there for his teammates is Dwight. There's also, you know, KCP has, has taken some incoming um, on social media, on Twitter, and on Instagram, and Dwight has been there to defend him and to kind of, you know, tamp that down. And look, whatever you think of how KCP is playing, I think he's actually been better than most people think he has been. But whatever you think of how KCP is playing, it's a good sign that Dwight is there to defend his teammate. That speaks to how well Dwight is fitting in. It speaks to how much he cares about the team. And it speaks to how he understands that to win, 
everybody needs to be pulling in the same direction. It doesn't matter what you think of how good KCP has or has not been so far. It is good that Dwight is out there defending his teammate. So one last thing along those lines of everybody pulling in the same direction. With all of the experience that they have on this team, they have many guys who know not only what it's like to win a title, but what those individual steps along the way look like. So with that being said, what are the short-term goals of this team in the next 10 to 20 games to get a little farther down that path toward that ultimate goal? I I think that the goals for the guys, this is not me suggesting what the goals should be, but I think that the goals, the internal goals are, I think they feel very good about the defense and I think they should feel very good about the defense. Um, But kind of ironing out an identity offensively, which hasn't, I don't think it's been there yet. Um, And reacclimating Rondo into that. I think he makes a big difference offensively especially when LeBron is not on the floor. So I think kind of figuring out that offensive identity and seeing if the Lakers can become a top 10, top 12-ish offense long-term and kind of figuring out the rotational pieces uh, because as, as, you know, obviously Rondo didn't play last night and AD didn't play last night, but assuming that those guys are are back, the Lakers have their full complement for the first time. So kind of figuring out what the offense is going to look like, because I think the defense is going to be there. So figuring out what the offense and those rotations look like, uh, I think is kind of the next, you know, few, two, three weeks, a month. I think kind of that's what the Lakers are looking at. Well, this was great stuff. Thank you so much. I I love you, brother. I love you. Thank you so much for your insights. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you guys next time. Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, an amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know... Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two. Score. One. Yes. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?